what a guest we've got on the Celtic View podcast this week. A man that came through the Celtic Academy more than 20 years ago, making his debut actually in 2003 and won a couple of league titles and cups along the way. We are joined today by Ross Wallace, who's now, as you can see, sporting his Burnley tracksuit. Ross, how are you? And, and tell everyone what you're up to these days. Yeah, sorry, I was going to wear my Celtic top, but I forgot to bring it in this morning. But uh, yeah, obviously Burnley Football Club at the minute, uh, working in the academy uh, with the under-18s. Uh, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do, you know, work with younger players at, at this particular level. So, you know, I'm fortunate enough, you know, I'm at a fantastic football club, you know, a club where I spent five years in my playing career. So, uh, you know, it's brilliant and loving every minute of it. Brilliant. Have you still got a bit about you? Are you showing the boys the ropes with that left peg of yours? I'm a little bit heavier than I used to be. I certainly don't play as a winger anymore. More of a sitting midfielder, but I do tend to join in every now and then with a large yet. Well, that's the sign of a good footballer. You can adapt your game and go in a number of positions. So we'll, <laughs> we'll take that. Um, Ross, we're going to go all the way back to the start of your career today, having come through at Celtic. We're going to want to hear all the stories and all the insights of what it was like coming through the academy and making your way into the first team. So why don't you take us back to the start then, um, growing up in Dundee, how did the move to Celtic all come about? Uh, well, I was just playing obviously for the for the boys club team, started off obviously and then got picked up for Celtic when I was like 12 and then uh, just went from there really, you know, obviously you sing your S forums. And then that's you basically hooked into the into the youth development at Celtic at the time. I was training in Dundee three times a week. And then obviously we'd come through on a Friday night, all the lads from Aberdeen, Dundee, like myself, Sean Maloney, Paul Lawson, all the lads that went on had good careers, Michael Gardine, all the northern lads used to come through on a Friday night and meet up with the Glasgow lads. And then you know, they used to train Friday night, go to Celtic game on a Saturday. Uh, ball boy at the game and play Sundays you know that that was pretty much our week from 12, 12 years on Do you have any good memories of ball boy and I'm always interested because we've seen like Cal McGregor and Kieran Tierney pictures of them ball boy at big games in the past do you have any memories of, of any particular games? All the lads wanted to get behind the goal just so they could get on the telly when the goals went in but uh, ball boy it was brilliant you know, for me I was I was a Dundee fan growing up, so I went from Dens Park, which is brilliant, to 60-odd thousand Celtic, you know, as, as a young kid coming from Dundee. So, you know, going and going every match day on a Saturday was, was, was magnificent for me. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, that was always an iconic image at that time when goals would go in and the, the two people behind the goals as ball boys jumping up and down. You can always remember some of the kind of big occasions. So I need to look back and see if, and spot you in any of those. Um, so you're in the sort of the satellite there up in Dundee. Then you make the move down to Glasgow full time. So at what age was that? And I can imagine it must be quite difficult at that age, kind of moving away from home as well. Yeah, I was. I've, obviously, I've been open. I've said before. I've done a couple of podcasts before. I've just said that move from Dundee to Celtic probably was the making of me as I got older. So as I moved away from home to England to, to go and continue my career after I left Celtic. So, but that initial period, you no, know, I had to grow up quickly because I was coming, moved from Dundee to Glasgow and Diggs for the first couple of weeks. You no, know, I really struggled away from home. Uh, but, you know, the, the club were brilliant. They were, you know, let me go home a few days every now and then just 
to have that little settling in period uh, not to start off with. But no, that's why I kind of fell in love with the club because that family sort of, you know, the ethics of the club, it was, it was, that's why I fell in love with the club right away. I just thought, felt like home, felt like a, a real family club. You know, and I knew that from the start, but obviously having that initial period where I was kind of homesick, knowing you have enough obviously all the help from you know people inside the club, people that you probably don't even know of, uh, you know, just helping you, you know, moving away from home was, was was brilliant. Who were the players in your digs at that point? I, I take it, did you share it with other players? Yeah, there was obviously uh, when I first moved, obviously Lee Miller, uh, you know, Michael Doyle, they were the older lads, they were moving out. As, as the young lads moved in, was in myself, Michael Gardine, uh, Paul Lawson, who went, and obviously Sean Maloney was a bit older. He had moved on as well out the digs, but you know it was it was a good laugh. Once the lads are in the digs, you know, and you you feel for the house parents sometimes, you know, having to put up these some young young lads coming into the house into the digs. But you no, know, we were respectful, but you can imagine, you no, know, three four young lads. No, coming into the house, you know, some of the antics it was quite fun. Yeah, because I'm—I mean, I've never spoken to Michael, or, or I don't know him at all. But I've always heard that he was always a character, uh, even at that early age as well. So, as you said, was it always quite a struggle for the people looking after the the four years. Yeah, it was just just things though. We used to do one v ones in the living room, two v twos, and the lads just nailing each other, two footing each other, sizzle tackle. Surprised somebody never got a bad injury. It was just wild, you know, just little stuff like that, just carrying on. But it was such a good laugh, especially being away from home, being with other lads who have you know, come away from home as well. We were all stuck together. Uh, you know, obviously, we never got to go home much either. So when we went full time, we used to go with the first team, with Clarkey, and do the kit every every away game. It was one of the lads you know, from Dundee or Aberdeen. There was a Glasgow lads done it a few times, but they were able to just go home. They were only 20 minutes down the road. But uh, no, we have to got got the experience of going away from home, no Tyne Castle, Far Park with the first team, no with Clarky, cleaning the boots, picking up the slips and cleaning dressing rooms and that. But it was amazing. It was an unbelievable experience. I mean, it must be quite an intimidating experience as well, being at such a young age and being around that changing room environment with those first team players at that time. Yeah, it was, you know, I've, I've, it was obviously Martin O'Neill time, you know, that era. So you know, Larson and Sutton Hearts and you know, Lenny come Lambert coming in. Um you know, these guys you're a bit intimidated, but it's it's brilliant to watch them, see how they go about pre- preparing for games, how professional they are. For a young kid to see it. Uh you no know, looking back now, uh, you know, it was it's a brilliant experience as a young kid, this lad to see those kind of players, how they prepare for games. And they involved you as well, you know, they tell you to go and get stuff, you no know, cups of tea, all that sort of stuff. You basically just run around after them, you know, getting them prepared for the match. Would any of the players in that team pull you up if their boots weren't perfect or something wasn't right? Uh, yeah, I remember once, um, I remember one of the lads stitched me up in the boot room. I remember Paul Lambert, no, brilliant. he was brilliant with the younger lads. Uh, I remember one of the, he used to clean his boots himself. Polish his boots himself. He used to have the Diodora sign, and never used to like his Diodora sign dirty or uh, a mess. And the lads went, "Oh, you're on Lambo's boots. Pass me his boots." And I had the dubbing. They were ah polishing Lambo's boots. The lads have stitched me up big style. And then he obviously comes in, face like thunder, looking for who's done his boots. 
sitting there and hiding away in the corner. He's got me in the boot room to give me a bollocking. But no, all those these things, you know, these are the, these are you look back at these experiences, you know, and you laugh about it now, but they're brilliant, you know what I mean? The tea job, you don't really get that nowadays in, a, in academy football. Uh, you know, the cleaning the boots and stuff, it's it's hard to get that. You know, lads don't do boots now, they don't sort of all those those jobs that you used to do. You don't really get to do that now, but I thought it was the it was the making it's the making of young kids these days. They should be doing it, in my opinion. Yeah, you hear it so often from players, particularly of maybe your area, maybe before or a bit after as well, that say that exact same thing that it is the making of them. And when they look back now, it's it's those little stories that actually sometimes are the best parts of their career. I don't know if, if that's something you'd agree with. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. You know, don't do it now. But back then, obviously, I think I was kind of maybe the year after me, obviously, Simon Ferry and all, and Aidan and Charlie Mulgrew, those lads, I think they were sort of the last year where they had that, you know, cleaning the boots, doing the kit and all that sort of stuff, cleaning the changing rooms up, all that. I think they were kind of the last sort of group where it came in where the lads don't do it anymore. But um, no, just to have that bond with the first team, you know, even they're throwing their slips at you, they're throwing their dirty shots at you. But then you get talking to them, you no, know, they actually start talking about the game, you know, talking foot then talking football to you, you know, about how you could get better and stuff like that. So you get those little golden nuggets, those little couple of minutes with the first team lads when you're that young, when you're just cleaning the dressing room up and stuff, and maybe they're getting changed and you get talking to them. No, those little moments are priceless, but you don't really get that anymore, that kind of bond between academy and first team. He said Paul Lambert was one example of someone maybe giving you a rollicking, but was there anyone in that team under Martin O'Neill who you were specifically maybe scared of? Or a lot of people obviously mentioned Bobo Baldi. Is, is there anyone in that team that, that you were worried about? Yeah, I think uh, obviously Lenny. Lenny was probably one where you're just a little bit cagey, you know, around, so, so do things proper. Um, you know, obviously Sutton and Tom over no, no, they were quite Larry lads. I liked a good laugh. So they, they were on the young lads' big style. It's a it seems like a brilliant grounding for you. In terms of that youth team that you were involved in just before you then actually make your debut, who were the players involved in that and what was that team like? Well, I think I think my group was uh, David Marshall, uh, Big Marsh, he was in goal. Uh, he was excellent, but obviously after a few months he ended up went 21s and obviously I went, I went up the up quickly to the first team. Uh, it was obviously David Marshall, Gary Irving. Uh, that was our sort of like a sort of youth development team. Our under 18s, myself, Aidan McGeady, uh, Charlie Mulgrew came into it. No, we, we had lads who have played, went on to have good careers, you know, in Scotland or in England. But obviously, the standout ones, probably McGeady was probably the one who's went on and achieved, and Big big Marshy as well, went on and achieved loads of success. What do you think about that Celtic team, those youth teams at that time, as you mentioned, some of the names there? We produced so many players. Why do you think that was? I just think we had a lot of players who had a lot of hunger, a lot of desire. Actually, we like to laugh and a joke, but I think it was driven into us from the very beginning. No coach like Willie McStay, Tommy Burns, Kenny McDowell, all those lads. No, when training started, and it came from the first team as well, you know, when we got the opportunity to go up and train with the first team from Lambo and Lenny, they like a laugh and a joke, but when training starts, there's no messing about you, no, we're training. You know what I mean? Just, obviously, some of the training was harder than games sometimes, because the lads are just firing into each other. 
but it was just so competitive. I think we just drove each other on, uh, and and that was it. Obviously, there was remember me and Aiden were so competitive. We just was like really battling one v ones. We fifty fifty each other one day. Both of us got injured. I remember both of us sitting in the treatment room like, right, we can't be doing this every week. You know what I mean? So it was just so competitive to win. I think that drive, and it came from like Tommy and Willie, uh, and just, just that winning mentality that you've got at the club. You mentioned Tommy Burns there. I think anyone that came through the youth system at Celtic around that era and, and years after has a special mention for Tommy. Just tell us what, what he was like with you because he seemed like such a special person. Yeah, he was. He, he was amazing. Um, I was just, I had once, well, one time, obviously, we were getting the train back to Dundee and all the trains went on strike and Tommy obviously got all the lads in the car and drove us back to Dundee himself just to drop us off where mum and dad's like at a meeting point and you know, just little things like that. He drove two hours to drop us off to drive two hours back to Glasgow because the trains were off. Just little things like that, you know, he was just, he was just, a, he was just a, a brilliant person, you know, and the way he trained as well. He, sometimes he said, joining training Tommy as well little ones around the corner you love joining every five little five asides in that there's probably better than half of our squad to be fair <laughs> and then you started to kind of make your way Ross into the, the first team environment we're talking about there and getting closer to a debut but I'm always really interested to find out what it's like when you start to train with the first team for the first time talk us through what kind of Martin O'Neill's training sessions were like and and what it was like to be inside that group? I think the training sessions were short. You know, listen, the team picked itself every week. No, they were, that was an unbelievable squad. Uh, and obviously, as a young lad, to, just to be around it, you know, that, that team uh, was, was an unbelievable experience. You know, that, as you, obviously, at that age, I was thinking I was 16, 17, 17 when I went to train with the first team. And just that experience, you know, that watching them training every day and how they went about training, you know, it was, it was quite an intimidating. You know, if, if you, you didn't back yourself on the ball and stuff like that, you'd get found out quickly because uh, these you had to shift the ball quickly. You had big Bobo, Jospel Harn, big Mialbe. You know, if you're taking two, three touches, you know, you they're going to stick you, you know, on the next pitch. So you had to be sharp with your touch. No, young Viol used to be interesting every Friday. Uh, no, those were tough games. You had to move the ball quick. Little seven, seven, eight sides. Uh, young Viol. No, th those were tough games. Playing against Henrik and Big John and Sutty up front. And, no, we had good, good players at the time. Technically, good players at the time, but no, we struggled physically to match those lads. Those young v old games, would they get pretty feisty? Particularly if you were maybe in the winning side, would they take that well? Uh, I, it wasn't very often we were on the winning side, to be fair, but I, I, the first team lads, I remember, they weren't very happy uh, get, getting beat off the young lads. And I just every time we beat them one week, I just remember the next week, you know, they weren't, we weren't beating them the next week. They, they were on it. But obviously, I had like Larson scored an unbelievable goal in young v old. It was like a Van Basten, like from from the byline, just dipped it over Headman in the far corner, and I just remember like uh, Petrov and all the lads just started clapping because it was just you could just tell he was the next level. He was he was unbelievable. A lot of the time you hear maybe more nowadays about 
how training you might start to sort of deload when you, you're approaching a, a match day on a Saturday. So was Martin quite happy for everyone to be flying in and tackles on a Friday and have that competitiveness? Yeah, absolutely. The training just went. It was, it was short, it was sharp, it was more like small-sided. Because you had so much experience, I don't think you had... He'd, Martin, he didn't have to coach Henrik Lassie and Chris Sutton, John Hartson. No, they were... No, Lennon, Petrov. They, they they just dealt with it themselves. You know, they, they dealt with the group. Training was always lively because you got so many good pros and experience in the team. He didn't really have to coach them because they, they were top-class players. So it was just managing the group, really, during training. Uh, but obviously, I remember John Robson that used to join in. What a player he must have been back in the day because he used to just stand up in the wing and just cross balls in for Big John, you know, five asides and stuff. Um, it just had picked itself, really, the team. It was just managing the group. Mm. I mean, as a, a young winger, someone like John Robertson must have been perfect to sort of pick his brains. Yeah, that was, uh, that was probably my way in. No, if he wasn't there, I'd, I'd probably never have got an opportunity. That's why I'm saying, and uh, lads, young lads I work with now, you've got to train properly every day and take you know, every game because you never know who's watching. That was my opportunity because John Robertson was a winger you know, and, and he liked me. I was kind of similar. I was never John Robertson, but I would like to get wide, get crosses in the box. He took a shine to me and that was my way to get into the first team. So it was a little bit of luck involved in that on my part. But, uh, you know, to have somebody like him, and obviously you had Alan Thompson in there, it was brilliant to ask questions to us in that as well. But and was, underneath that, we had our own competitive edge as well. There was obviously myself, Aidan, Sean Maloney, who ended up playing wide. You know, even on the younger lads, we had that competitive edge as well because we were all want to play on the Saturday or we were all on the bench or want to come on. So you had to prove yourself in training every day to get even if you wanted half an hour at the end of the game on a Saturday, you have to make sure you're the best trainer to get that opportunity. So it's constant battle and competitiveness. You finally make your first team debut. Uh, I think I said at the start it was 2003, but I think that was your league debut. Um, but your your actual first game was in a cup game in, in late 2002, and I think it was a 4-2 win against Inverness. Just talk to us about that moment of pulling on the shirt for the first time. Like, would Martin say much to you beforehand about maybe coming off the bench? Fortunately for me, you know, usually that team are so successful, we usually would be winning 2-3-0 every week. And it was just simple. Martin just to say, listen, kid, on you go on the wing, left wing, basically don't come back. We'll get the ball out to you. Get as many crosses in as you can. And, and that was it. I was just get the ball wide to me because we had so much of the ball at home, especially. He used to just go wide, and it was pretty straightforward. You're just one v one against your fullback every time you get the ball, and you and you're just try to work a little cross, try and get an assist, you know, try and affect the game. You no, know, and in, in the small period of time we used to get. Can you remember how you were feeling? Were you nervous before you made that debut? To be honest with you, I couldn't even remember it, but. <laughs> I think I go back, you're so nervous putting the top on, you see all the lads saying, oh, good luck, they know you're coming on, it's your debut, and you're, you've got the butterflies, just a proud moment, you know, and it's, but you've, you've been training, like I said, you've been with the first team, you know, cleaning the boots, travelling with them to away games with the first team, so it's not really, you're just a young kid, you're coming into it new, no, 
the the older lads help you as well. They they were they were brilliant with the young kids as well. No demanding of the young kids, but the new no we were developing and they'd encourage you when when you were in games and stuff, and, and they were brilliant. So you're with them every day. So it was pretty simple to go just go and enjoy yourself for twenty minutes. Yeah, it wasn't really until the next year. I think you didn't make another appearance again until about 12 months later in, in 2003, in the 03-04 season. What was that kind of 12-month period like for you? No, I don't, I, to be honest with you, I, my whole time, it's, I, I, it was only really when Gordon was in that I felt like, oh, I could, I could play, I'd run a game here when I was at left-back, which is another subject we could talk about. But no, at that time, I didn't think, I was just there thinking, listen, soak up as much as you can from these players. You're playing with world-class players here. Soak up as much as you can uh, and, not, and learn and learn from them. And get just, I was more like an apprenticeship, you know. And I, I think, I think Aidan, I was different. Aidan was a bit different for me. His character, Aidan was just like, I could start in this team. I should, why am I not playing? Why am I not starting? I, no, it was a brilliant attitude to have. You know, and I think maybe I should have been more like him a little bit. I was more a bit like more patient. I'll wait my opportunity. Where Aiden was more like, no, I should be playing. I should be starting here. I mean, you've got to be a a pretty good player to get into that team because it's just come off the back of reaching that UEFA Cup final, and that 2003-2004 season absolutely swept up uh, in terms of the league. We won it at an absolute canter as well. So in terms of going into that team and playing more regularly during that season as well, I take it you must have just felt like you had to be on it every single time you made an appearance? Yeah, and that was it. No, and training every day. You know, when you played in the youth team or on the reserves at the time, as I, as you, I got a little bit older, you're playing in the reserves. You're just constantly trying to impress and training and games just so you can get that opportunity on a Saturday. You might only get 20 minutes, you might get half an hour. But, you know, from that week leading up, people think, oh, they've just chucked him on for 20 minutes. But no, that that five, six days before that, I've had to fight to get on the bench because you've got that many players looking to get on opportunity or to get on the pitch. I mean, it's hard enough for a youth team player to fight to get into the, the team with all the, the sort of first team regulars. But as you mentioned, you were fighting against Aidan McGeady and Sean Maloney coming through at the same time. It's quite a kind of unparalleled bit of success for the club to have these three extremely talented wingers coming through at once. Yeah, and that's it. Obviously, above that, Alan Thompson and Nakamura came in. No, Stephen Pearson came in, played left. No, but that's the way it should be, you know. You're at, at Celtic Football Club. That's no that demand to, to win every week. You you need these players and you need that demand on training. And then obviously that, that shows on the pitch and it's showing now with the squad that no the team I've got now, oh, they've got an abundance of talent. And that's why they're so successful, because they know if you have a bad performance, you'll not be playing the next week. Do you have any kind of memories of that 03 04 season? You scored your first goal in a, a win against Dunfermline, then later on in the season, the last game, the Scottish Cup final, again against Dunfermline, you come off the bench. Did anything sort of stand out for you in that season? I think those two moments you just mentioned were probably the ones that stood out. You know, the, 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 the I think I came on, uh, had a little jink, and oh, had a ball across the keeper in the far corner. But I can't remember. I think it was Sutton that slid me in. And I look back now at the kind the highlights, the clips. You no, know, I think a ball went to Henrik into Sutton, and he slides me in to score. And I'm just thinking, like, 
I'm on a pitch with Henrik Larson and Chris Sutton and they're coming over celebrating me after scoring. I'm, I was only 17 at the time. I think it was 17 at the time anyway. I was like, those, you know, you look back and pinch yourself at those moments, but at the time, you just you just go with it. You know, but looking back now at the highlights, I wasn't sure about my sides. They were, they were a bit interesting, but um, no, I look back at that team. It was a privilege to play with those players. And to come off the bench in a Scottish Cup final as well, and I think you played about 30 minutes or so, is that something you expected? Do you, do you remember that final? Yeah, I remember like yesterday, yeah. It was one of the best moments I say in my career. It was just like, I remember getting the shout, the nod down the pitch, and I was trying warming up with a few lads, and the lads are going, like, it's you. And I'm like, it can't be me, I'm 17. I, I can't remember what the score was at the time. I think it was 1-0 or something. I was like, can't be me. And obviously, boom, there you go. Before you know it, you're stripped. I think just before I came on, we scored we scored again. I might have been Henrik. Uh, and then obviously I managed to come on. Uh, and I, I think I got an assist for, I think Stillian scored, cut back for Stillian. And ended up playing against Lee Bullen, was playing right back for Dunfermline. He was my first team coach at Sheffield Wednesday later on in my career. So I used to have a laugh and joke about with him uh, you know, for that final. But... Um, no, I like the game. It was a brilliant experience. And just the celebrations after, uh, I can't remember. It was an Oasis song. I just remember, remember like it was yesterday. Oasis song playing, and we're just going round, you know, with the trophy, you know, but with that group of players as well, that that experience. You know, and the fans are singing, you'll never walk alone in that. You know, it's, so I look back now and I go, people give the right arm to, to be on that pitch and do what I've done there. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it, uh, you know, I, I can remember it like yesterday. Because you're saying you're coming on, well, it ended up being 2-0 when you came on, um, but it was going to be 1-0. I mean, probably my mentality more than anything else, but I think if it were me coming into that position, I'd be thinking, God, please don't come on and mess anything up. Like, <laughs> just can we get another goal here and, and get this tied over? Like, what were you feeling like before you, you came on the park? Uh, probably exactly what you just said there. <laughs> It was probably like, don't come, I hope we don't lose this, and I've just came on. Um, no, that was quite simple, really, because we were in the ascendancy. I think Dunfermline played well that day as well. But you just knew, obviously, I think Henrik went, I think Henrik scored, or that was in, in one of the other finals. You were, no, it was just basically get the ball to Henrik, and, and he'll keep the ball, you know, work a bit of magic, and you'll maybe get slipped in wide, and, and just go and you know, try and create something in the final third, really. Uh, unfortunately for us, we managed to get the win, and uh, what a day it was as well! Brilliant. Do you remember anything sort of after those cup finals and and league wins? What were that team like? Would they would they go out? Uh, I never. I don't. Be honest with you, I cannot remember. I think we did go out. I think I was young at the time, so I was back in my bed with a cup of tea. I think I was only seventeen at the time, so. I remember going back to Celtic Park, and all the fans were there. You just see the size of the club. You know, even the fans that never got into the stadium, the bus back from Hamden back to Parkhead, you know, and you've got thousands waiting for you, you know, on the bus and just to experience that as well. You know, they're obviously up up in one of the boxes, you know, all the players, players' wives, uh, friends, family, and you, you just, you know, just have a little sing-along and, and have a couple of beers and, and celebrate. But brilliant experience as a young kid. Yeah, it's amazing. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Playing for a club like Celtic and winning trophies. And then going into the next season, 2004, 2005, 
you kick-started the season off in brilliant form. I think you scored a hat-trick in the September time uh, in a, a game against Falkirk. What are your memories of that? Yeah, bro- yeah brilliant game. Uh, so I think I knew, I knew it was starting two days before it. Uh, I think I got the heads up. Well, a few of the young lads were playing. Um, myself, McGeady, um, I think Lambo played that day. So we had that experience in the middle of the park. He was brilliant as well to see him the way... When you're on the pitch, starting how he prepares, and he was brilliant with the young lads. I must say that Lambo was 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 fantastic with the younger players. Just calm them down, talking them through what was expected of them on the pitch, and just giving helping you, giving you that freedom, just just to go and play your game. Because obviously you're obviously on that pitch because you've you've got some kind of talent. Obviously myself, McGiddy, all the younger lads, you're there for a reason because you've earned it. So just just go and enjoy the occasion. Fortunate for me, I managed to get a hat trick. I think we just found out. Um, I think my missus was pregnant, so you know at the time. So you know, that was a good experience getting a hat trick. Yeah, a hundred percent. Not many people can say they they scored a hat trick for Celtic. Um, I mean that season. Obviously, we end up we win a Scottish Cup at the end of it. We had the disappointment of the the last game of the season as well, and then Martin leaves the club. Was that a shock to you when you found out that he was leaving? Yeah, yeah, it was a shock. Um, it was my first experience is you not know, having a manager leave a football club when you're involved in like a first team setting. So it was kind of a strange experience for me. Uh, probably, obviously, because I was heavily involved every week, you no know, playing weekend week out. So you no, know, like Lenny and Lambert, I probably would have, no, probably would have hurt those lads probably more, but. Obviously, Martin gave me my opportunity, you know, to play for Celtic and, and my debut and stuff. So, um, you know, later down the line when I moved to Sunderland, uh, you no, know, he phoned me and, and wished me all the best and wished me good luck, which was, you no, know, was, was brilliant as well. So, you no, know, I've got fond memories uh, of Martin and I appreciate everything for him giving me my debut as well. So that's summer then, two thousand and five. Gordon Strachan comes in as manager, what were your, your thoughts and your expectations when he was coming in? Was it kind of almost a clean slate for you, were you thinking? Yeah, it was. Um, it was chalk and cheese, really. You know, Gordon was more hands-on on the pitch, you no know, tactical. Uh, obviously, I think Gary Pendry was there, took a bit of training, but a bit bit more hands-on on, on the training ground, on the tactic side of things. Um, to be fair, I think... <laughs> He involved me in some of the games, Gordon, so he must have seen something in me to keep me around the first-team squad. No, I managed to get a few games. Um, I think he ended up ended up playing at left-back, which was a bit different for me. I've never done that before. But I can see he's thinking of it. You know, we had so much of the ball, especially at home. You know, you're playing left-back, you end up playing as a left-winger anyway because you've got so much of the ball. But... Um, Obviously, at times when I did play left back, you know, with balls to the back post and just little little things uh, that I, obviously because I'd never played there before. But you can see what he was thinking of just trying to get you not know, me further forward uh, and up the pitch. But uh, one of them, I was was not too sure. But you know, you just got on with the job. You get told to do a job. When you've got asked to play for Celtic Football Club on in any position, you don't say anything. You just got on with the job and just do it. They're getting that opportunity. Yeah, is it right in that pre-season 
that in, in one of the first games that you ended up getting taken off after like 30 minutes or so because I imagine you must, might have been a bit worried at that point in time but then you're obviously going to play quite a lot of games so talk us through that. Yeah, I think Gordon laid the marker on us a, few, a couple of times. I think uh, I think we played some Austrian team away and we were having a stinker down the, on, down the left-hand side. I think they were getting in every time. Uh, one of those games where you just... It was a pre-season game, making excuses for it. But uh, yeah, hold us off after 30 minutes. I think it was me and Charlie. Was it Charlie Mulgrew? I'm not sure. Uh, it was me and somebody else. We got hauled off after 30 minutes. And you can see the other lads, the younger lads, giggling and that, laughing, and you're try- trying to like hold a straight face, and Gordon's just ripping into you. But no, it was good. No, listen, it's good for you. And obviously, I managed to come back from that. No, I managed to get a few games that season as well. You're saying Gordon was ripping into you there, but you must have a a classic Gordon stacking story. It seems like anyone that played under him has has something to say say about him and what he was like in the changing rooms. No, Gordon was brilliant. No, he was really good with me. He was a you know, lively character. Uh, I think I remember one time, I think it was a European night where they flew over. Um, and obviously, I was rooming with, with Aidan and we went for a little nap in the afternoon because usually you train at night at the stadium the night before. And, and me and Aidan late for the bus, I, I heard the door banging on the room. Big marshes there laughing. And me and Aidan trying to get ready for training thinking we're late for the bus and Big Marshy going, no lads, we're just back from training. We had slept through training and everything and I was just like, oh no. So there's me and Aidan all the way down to Gordon to apologise. And to be fair, he let us off lightly. I think he understood, but we just slept in. But that, that walk down the stairs in the hotel to go and say sorry to the manager as a young kid, yeah, it wasn't very nice, but I blame Aidan. <laughs> I was going to say, that walk down to see him, everything must have been going through your head at that moment. Yeah, and, and, and Big Marshy as well, just like, absolutely howling, laughing at us, knowing the predicament we were in, having to walk down the stairs. Oh, no, I've had a stinker here. But, uh, no, so, so, no, these things happen in your career, but you look back now and laugh. What were the differences between... Gordon Strachan's team, would you say, in, in Martin O'Neill's? Because I imagine, obviously, I grew up watching both of those teams. There were sort of differences in the football and some of the players. But at the same time, Gordon continued that winning pattern because in that season we win a league and a league cup as well. Yeah, I, think the diff- I, think Go- I think Gordon done it well. You know, I've, I've done a f- worked with a few managers where obviously you've got of some of Martin's players who were really attached to Martin and that squad. And sometimes as a manager, I think he had to sort of put his own stamp on it and bring his own players in. Um, I think he recognised that. Uh, and eventually, I think Big Sutty and that left. No, I think Tomo left. No, all these sort of, the lads who were so successful under Martin, I think he recognised, no, he needs to sort of put his own stamp in it and get his own players in. So you have to respect him for that. No, he knew what he wanted and he went after it. And, you know, Gordon got some success as well. And in terms of sort of standout moments in that season, again, what stands out? A few that come to mind. I remember the, the game Sean Maloney scores against uh, Rangers in the derby here in, in the Cup. Obviously, we go in and then we lift the League Cup final uh, that season against Dunfermline. And you start in that game as well. I imagine that's maybe one of the highlights. 
Yeah, I think that was the Jimmy Johnston final as well, where we had the number seven on the shorts and that. So, no, that that's another game. You know, you look back and pinch yourself. You no, know, we ended up winning. Uh, no, I think uh, I think Roy Keane played that day as well. So, no, and he ended up. I think it was either that summer or the summer. I think it was that summer. Yeah, he ended up getting the Sunderland job, and then that's when I moved to Sunderland. He, he took me down there, but I just playing with Roy Keane, and and that was it. I ended up going to Sunderland, but that final, the Jimmy Johnson final, you know, wearing the number seven shorts and that, and and then winning the cup. No, for him really, and uh, no, no, that occasion was brilliant as well. That was it was an unbelievable experience. Roy Keane, you mentioned him there. Your first impressions when when he came into Celtic? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a bit of a strange one actually because you obviously thought he'd have that connection with the older players, uh, but he never came right in. No, no, right in with the younger lads. I think he came into our group. I think like big Steve McManus, big John Kennedy, no, all the younger lads ourselves, and used to drive to Barrafield. And he used to jump in the car with us to go to Barfield to go to training. You'd think you jump in with older, experienced lads, not the young lads. So, so you'd be there and you're no, in, the, in the Corsa and your little Volkswagen Polo, and you've got Roy Keane sitting in the back. Uh, no, just those little pinch yourself moments. But he was brilliant with the young lads, always in the gym. No, obviously, the, the younger lads got up in the gym doing, doing their sessions with Jim Henry at the time, and, and Roy used to join in. Um, just, yeah. A totally different character, what you see on the on the TV. Did you ever see anyone get the the stare or the the glance from from Roy Keane at any point? Did he or was he quite calm when he speeded at Celtic? What was he like? Uh, I think he was quite calm. Yeah, he was obviously when I moved to Sunderland, I seen a few people get the wrath, uh, Keane. But um, it felt like I think he was quite subdued. He was quite laid back. I think he ended up picking up a calf injury or a hamstring. Uh, I don't think him and Gordon seen eye to eye, but I think as as I, I think he wanted to f- fulfil that. No, playing for Celtic because obviously he, he was a Celtic man. I think his family were, were Celtic, were a Celtic family. So I, I think he wanted that experience of playing for the club. But in terms of like younger lads, when he came in, he no, he was brilliant for us. He, he attached himself to us, which is kind of strange. You must have left a good impression on him because the end of that season. Uh, Celtic obviously won the League Cup, we, we win the league, but then you then leave to to go to Sunderland and to to join Roy Keane as well. So just tell us a little bit about your decision behind leaving Celtic and joining Sunderland at that time and going to work with Roy Keane. Uh, well, well, that was it really. No, I had an opportunity to go on loan uh, in Scotland as well at a few teams, and then obviously I got the phone call with Sunderland, and I knew it was a massive club. Because uh, my, my agent at the time was a big Sunderland fan, so obviously he was telling me, and I knew Martin was a Sunderland fan as well, uh, and and obviously the chance to work with Roy Keane when he phones you up and you no, know, he's new, he's a new manager. It was just an exciting project that was that was building. Obviously, with Niall Quinn as well going in there, no, you knew they were going to sign some good players and, and we we're going to have a go at getting to the Premier League, which we actually eventually did, but. No, you couldn't have turned in that opportunity, um, and that was it. And obviously, first day when I went down to meet him in Sunderland to sign, uh, I walked in. And obviously, we've got this thing of Roy, obviously quite stern, straight faced all the time. But he loved a laugh and a joke as well. He had that other side to him. And obviously, he walks in the, uh, the living room, asked if he want a cup of tea, blah blah blah. 
And then obviously he's got a high chair sitting up there. And just try to put me in the high chair. Just, just little things like that, you know, just little one-liners, little jokes. Oh, he, he was brilliant. No, it just settles you right away. And obviously went on to have a successful season that season. Yeah, in terms of your, your post-Celtic career, it's, it's been a, a brilliant career, Ross, in the Premier League and the Championship and only recently retired a, a couple of years ago as well. Uh, so many highlights. But when you compare sort of your time at Celtic with everything else in your career, where does that time at Celtic stack up? Oh, it's definitely up there. You know, it's, it's up there, Rob. Uh, I started there when I was 12, come through, got the opportunity to play with some brilliant players. I sort of just see it as like having a like a, an unbelievable apprenticeship, you know, like a, a good uh you no know, start in your football career. Uh, and and you no know, and those sort of values that you've learned from all those all those players you've played with, that professionalism, desire and hunger, you know, you just sort of just keep that that sort of starting block that you've had and you just keep it through your career, you know, working with all these players and the staff that you worked with in the coaching. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Ross, you've been brilliant with your time, but just to finish off on, any time we get a guest on the Celtic View podcast, we always finish in some quick-fire questions about the player's time at Celtic. So we'll, we'll fire through a, a few of them just now, if that's OK with you. Um, first of all, who was the best player at Celtic during your time, best technically? Henrik Larson by a mile. You know, L- Lubo was my, was my, my favourite, but Larson was, was top. Yeah, brilliant. And I we kind of mentioned this earlier on, but what player were, were you or sort of the rest of the younger boys just scared of the most? Scared of the most? Uh, I'd probably say Lenny was probably the one that drove everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I take it Lenny must be the answer because of a few things that might have happened. I mean, was he, was he always quite kind of on top of boys? Yeah, he just wouldn't let anything slide, any slackness. No, he was, uh, him and him and Lambo were sort of like captains at the time. They just wouldn't let anything slide, any slackness, which it should be, you know, there's that demand to win games every week. So they, they were on it. So any, when the younger lads have been a bit mischievous and cheeky, uh, they'd be straight down on top of you. This one kind of follows a similar pattern, but was it angriest you saw a player or a manager or a coach during your time at Celtic? Yeah, angriest. Um, probably, probably big Johan. Big Johan Mialbe was he was an angry man in training. You know, loved to win. Um, I remember him, Aidan caught him an elbow on Young V Old one time by accident, and he was fuming. He was just look go every time. Maybe Aidan got the ball, he was after him trying to get him. Uh, but he was a bit of an angry man. A good, good, good experienced player, but he was, he was an angry man. What was either the best prank you've seen, or who would be the player that was was most likely to play practical jokes? Uh, practical jokes. It wasn't really during that time. Practical jokes. Uh, the obvious ones. Michael Gardine as a young kid. Used to do that. I've seen Bobo chase him around Celtic Park a few times, hiding Bobo's trainers and stuff. Uh, he's picked on the wrong guy. Remember Bobo chasing him around the side of the pitch at Celtic Park, and he's trying to sprint away from him. Uh, so Michael Gardine was probably uh, the most cheekiest, and he was up to all sorts. 
why is he picking fights with Bobo? <laughs> oh, exactly. That's that's the question I was asking him as well. You picked the wrong guy there. <laughs> and finally, Ross, um, less of a quick fire question, more of a kind of recap. When you look back at your time at Celtic, what's your kind of favourite memories that stand out and how do you look back on your time? Uh, fantastic experience. Loved every second of it. Um, uh, go back to those cup finals at Hamden, the Jimmy Johnson final. Just getting an opportunity to put on the Celtic shirt. You know, people that give their right arm to do that and having the opportunity to play with the players that I actually got to play with and the managers I got to to work under uh, and all the coaching staff you know, from when I became full-time at 16 right through to when I left. You know, It was just an unbelievable experience. It's a brilliant club. No, it's, I watch every game every Saturday. No, no uh, when I'm in the house, uh, it's a club I follow religiously, and uh, oh, it's just a brilliant, brilliant experience, and I loved every second of it. Superb, Ross. That's always brilliant to hear. Thank you so much for joining us on the Celtic View podcast. You've been brilliant with your time, and all the best at Burnley. I'm looking like we're going to see you guys up in the Premier League next season as well. So, fingers crossed for you, and, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ray.